controversy. Live from Miskatonic University, the award of another bonus episode of the award-winning Ghoulcast, Akadimon, Akadimon, the show that discovers the absolute, undeniable, and scientifically ghoulish greatest performance in your favorite actors' esteemed career. I'm Don Saunderson. And I'm Patrick Ghoulmion. <laughs> and our favorite word is ghoul ghoul and i i have to say patrick are you the dr crawford tillinghast to my dr edward pretorius <laughs> oh i hope not i don't want a weird i don't want a weird uh forehead dick well you know all i know is that you know this is actually folks this is about the year first year anniversary of the academy academy thank you all for I guess how this man is, but I think most of the audience is pretty aware that we, at the end of this show, are going to merge into a goopy mass yeah. into two tiny heads who are batting each other. <laughs> yeah, as, as the lovely and talented Barbara Crampton blows us up with some um, purchased at the Acme store, perfect st- set of dynamite. <laughs> yeah, this cartoon like bought it from Wiley Coyote. Jen, we noticed that Jen was like. Where did she get that? And I go, she went on Amazon and she went, she looked up, I need movie perfect dynamite. Yeah. <laughs> Something that screams dynamite from the dynamite store. <laughs> uh, at some point during this podcast, I'll have to say, no, John, you're mad, mad. <laughs> <laughs> Humans are such easy prey. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, of course, this week we are spe- we are diving deep into a break from our normal stuff yeah. for, to celebrate the spooky season, celebrate one of our favorite actors, genre actors, uh, Barbara Crampton with Ooh. three really wild and fun movies. Uh, we're talking from beyond castle freak and you're next this week, man, lot to get into. So let's just get into it. Cause yeah. it's fun movies, but you know, a little bit about our leading lady of the week. Yeah. Um, Barbara Crampton born in Levittown, New York. Um, birthday, not on her Wikipedia page, <laughs> yeah. but, uh, um, totally fair, totally fair, totally yeah. fair. I uh, <laughs> got into acting in college and in high school and just kind of took the you know traditional road um certainly doesn't have the like she she worked her way up in a different way than like the the charmed life of a streep who you know goes from uh top of the line high school to top of the line colleges and oh yeah, right no, to Broadway. yeah. yeah streep is basically like the paul atreides of acting where she was like born just the chosen one <laughs> timely reference only two days away from the hunks of dune gracing Ooh. our screen oh you bet your ass i'm gonna um, go to amc tomorrow and try to watch that bad boy <laughs> but uh she made her television debut after moving from new york to los angeles on uh, days of our lives mm-hmm where she played the part of Trista Evans Bradford. <laughs> um, <laughs> Love it. That's awesome. And then she she moved on to a few pilots and TV films and did um, the other soap opera, Santa Barbara. Um, <laughs> she made her feature film debut in 1984 in a little movie 
called fucking body double brian de palma's body double wow yeah and what a what a great movie to start with uh, <laughs> she man. played the uh lead guy's uh girlfriend who's cheating on him at the top of the movie oh that's so fun i need to rewatch that movie man mm-hmm. that's that's interesting i would uh, and she said that uh originally had quite a few more scenes and it was just cut down to the one scene where she's kind of naked and cheating on him and but she accepted it because she was like it's a fucking brian de palma movie it's my first movie you know let's do this thing yeah that um, seems fitting seems fitting for de palma makes sense yeah 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 not in a bad way just makes that sense. was so that was 1984 1985 she did a film called fraternity vacation which based on the poster is exactly what you think it is um, <laughs> you know another uh spoofs and goofs comedy uh yeah. the, interestingly enough um very young tim robbins in oh an early early appearance from him john vernon is in it Whoa. you might know from many many great movies but probably most of all the dean and animal house so i oh, have yeah. a feeling he might be in 1985 perhaps reprising a stick in the mud authority figure oh, in that film uh, as well uh tis the spooky season so i gotta point out he's also the i think he's the chief of police and ki- ki- killer clowns from outer space if i remember I believe he's in that, but he's also in a film called a Canuck exploitation film called Curtains, which what? I can recommend quite a bit about where he plays a theater director who takes a series of actresses on an audition into a mansion. But guess who else is there? A killer. <laughs> I love it. I, the new genre. I'm just Canuck exploitation. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, if yeah, Canuck exploitation that our friends in Canada have provided so many weird goofy horror movies um can't recommend enough kathy's curse a bit of an exorcist ripoff <laughs> i i mean god bless the ottawa film council for funding jesus christ vampire hunter well that's all. i mean that's the thing though is that these are the same people who like gave government money for david cronenberg to make shivers so <laughs> god, god bless them yeah, yeah god. god bless him that's like are they crazy a little bit uh are yeah. they perhaps negligent with their funds you know what i'm gonna say no because that movie's good yeah these are all fun movies but um speaking of fun <laughs> movies same year 1985 barbara crampton is in reanimator which is really mm. i mean i think pretty safe to say the movie that kind of broke her through and uh you know remains we're not covering it this week because i think it you know frankly i felt it a little obvious yeah no it's an easy it's an easy it's an easy pick but yeah it's it's a terrific movie though if you haven't seen it obviously you know Mm -hmm. key Stuart gordon film jeffrey combs is in it it's um we'll talk a little hp lovecraft even later i imagine oh yeah Um, i mean it defined i think it defined horror for a generation i feel like yeah it's it's just a classic it's a classic it's it's in the you know it's in the pantheon of just and it's in you know we watched it maybe two years ago oh most recently and it's still it's a slapper it's an absolute slapper it's gory it's funny it's kind of sexy it's crazy it's heartbreaking it's got it all yeah. <laughs> that's like the kind of i feel like the thing about Stuart gordon is he is kind of like you can i think like a good thing you can a thing you can say about a Stuart gordon joint is that it'll kind of bring in everything you're gonna get goop you're gonna get titillated you're gonna get frightened it's i mean it's kind of intellectual trash 
Yeah. He's, he, he's hitting on both sides because his movies are not dumb, but they do have like, <laughs> especially, you know, it's both these ones that we're going to cover him today. Like, do take a, do take a walk into <laughs> no, the sleazier area. Oh, yeah. No, they're like, yeah, these are dirt. Yeah, they can be they can, very. They get a little trashy. dirty. Yeah, yeah, they get dirty um, and like, yeah, but it's also like I think Stewart knows what he's making and what it has to be in his films. I think so too. Yeah, I think so. And I also think you know, I mean, it goes in you know some of our other favorites, Brian De Palma, Paul Verhoeven. You know, sometimes you gotta have a little bit of a pervert in you. Yeah, I think <laughs> it's. I mean, I think it's like. Um, I don't know, because we often bemoan like kind of like the neutering of Hollywood or like the 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 the, the washing down, the 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 the, the cle- sterilizing of Hollywood, if we so to speak. Uh, and uh, do I want every movie to be as sleazy or goopy as a Stuart Gordon film? No, but should there be a space for it? Uh, yeah, like a hundred percent. I mean, you know, we all want movies where. <laughs> Is that a severed head going down on a woman? Yeah, I yeah. think it's a severed head going down on a woman. <laughs> Are those like? Is that because mon- does that monster like that's like biting itself also look like it's fucking itself at the same time? Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. yeah. <laughs> Is is a, a half naked Ken Forey doing battle with a sea beast in the bottom of a mansion? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, oh man, I'm, I'm stud of the week, Ken Forey. Oh, Oof. stud of the year. Stud of the year, hub, hub, hub. Keenan and Kel's dad, or Keenan's dad, rather. That's, that's um, literally all I knew from this. We'll, well, we can talk, we'll talk about him in a bit. Yeah. Um, but in 1986, she follows up Reanimator with another top of the line movie, Chopping Mall. Jim Winorski's Chopping Mall, which Patrick and I just saw in the theater at mm-hmm. the New Beverly oh. with a with a cast and crew reunion involved. That I found um I found very like sweet in a post quarantine world to see all of these people who you know they were like these up and coming young actors when they made Chopping Mall. And they didn't really realize, I think, that Chopping Mall for a lot of them was going to be kind of a um, remembered piece that they were in. Totally. And, and I think probably, you know, most actors come to Hollywood and they're like, I'm going to be Tom Cruise. I'm going to be Julia Roberts or whoever. Yeah. Um, but in a lot of cases, it's like if you can even get a Chopping Mall, that's enough. That's cool. You're, yeah. You're, you have that thing that's you're gonna and so to see them now is like i think everybody's about in their early 60s mm-hmm. who were the kids in that movie and just greeting each other with these really like warm hugs and kind of like familial warmth and that kind of thing and i just think you know, like you know we've all been like you know 2021 and you so remember hanging with your friends and stuff like that imagine being 2021 and making chopping mall with um, all these like young people so that would have been so much like it seemed too that it was like a fun time. Everyone seemed happy and just to, yeah, just to have like a thing under your belt that will be kind of held in posterity uh, forever, or at least until mm-hmm. you know the the apocalypse comes or whatnot. Like chopping malls, uh, always going to have its fans. It's always going to yeah. be there. Yeah, and there's always going to be theaters like the New Beverly, sort of giving people a um, like a, a space to discuss it. 
provide reverence towards it, which is pretty fucking cool. Also, you know, I mean, there's obviously a lot of places to celebrate the Lawrence of Arabia's and the vertigos of yeah. the world. But I mean, to, you know, this was a packed theater that treated these people like conquering champions. Throughout oh, the yeah. entire screening, people were going absolutely ballistic. It played like gangbusters. It's a movie that actually I'd only ever seen on video or like on cable, and I didn't really appreciate it until I saw it in the theater with a the crowd, to be perfectly uh, honest. 100%. Like, it, that's like one thing I've learned watching so many of these. Because uh, I was never like, I'll be real, I wasn't like a big revival theater guy before. Mm-hmm. Like, we did this podcast. Like, I just wasn't like the type of dude who would go see you know, a movie I could get on my computer or on streaming, like in a theater and uh, seeing so many old, that's it's older films on uh, in the, in a theater recently has really kind of opened my eyes uh, to why like cinema in a, uh, in a shared environment on a big screen is so important. Like, yeah, because watching Chopping Roll on my fucking dinsy-ass laptop at, like, 2 in the morning, it wouldn't have been the same experience. It's so much fun having, like you said, like, everyone reacting at the right moments, having, like, that shared bond of, like, oh, we're all watching this really silly film. Like, it rules. I mean, when that gal gets her head blasted off by the Chopping Mall robots, I mean, it's, like, a thrilling experience in the theater. <laughs> like, oh, yeah! Just people going absolutely nuts, and, like, when you see, you know, Dick Miller shows up, or Paul Bartel shows up, or Mary Warnov shows up, or, like, you know, the, the subtle references to Corman throughout the thing and having like all these knowledgeable nerds around you like nodding their head or clapping when they see somebody it's just oh, yeah. it's just a blast and it, it, it was it was it was such a good time and unfortunately barbara was not there mm-hmm. for this um this reunion but i did see on barbara's twitter that her and kelly maroney were hanging out recently which i thought was very sweet to see <laughs> yeah you know what's interesting too i read an interview uh with barbara crampton and she talked about the um the time she had between your next and kind of like she because she had like a little lull in her career right yeah and she was like talking about how like there was like a time where like my my, my manager you know because uh, she wasn't like old enough to kind of like play mothers and she mm-hmm. was past the age for like you know Young ingenue kind of scream queen kind of yeah, character. Yeah, exactly. And she was like, "Oh, I'm not getting work." And her manager told her, "You need to just you should get married." Like that was legit what her manager. <laughs> and you know, and it's a bummer because she was like, "Yeah, I'm gonna go to." She like was like, "Yeah, I'm gonna go to chef school and start working at a restaurant, maybe work as a waiter." And she ended up like actually getting married and then like moving to San Francisco with her husband. And and then she's was- had. I mean, we'll talk about it in a little bit quite a frankly cool and exciting in the last you know 10 years or so revival oh hugely and and it was all thanks to yeah a film we'll be discussing shortly surely yeah but like she she was like her she says that like her manager hadn't spoken to her for eight years just kind of crazy because i as we're getting into the first film because the the very next film after chopping mall which is really hard to believe is 1986's from beyond yeah, which is really good. <laughs> yeah, it's what well, is really good. Yes, <laughs> on top which of is like, yeah. yeah. So, Chopping Mall, or not Chopping Mall? Pardon me. From Beyond, um, 1986, directed by 
Stuart Gordon. Screenplay by Dennis Powley. Uh, story by Brian Usna, Dennis Powley, and Stuart Gordon, based on From Beyond by H.P. Lovecraft. Produced by Brian Usna. And I mean, I don't know if you've seen Society, but Society and From Beyond have the two of the goopiest movies ever made. I've <laughs> <laughs> not seen them, but I love goop. Um, I'm, a, I'm a goop appreciator. Obviously, the Band Brothers are also in the mix too on this one um <laughs> starring jeffrey combs barbara crampton from reanimator getting back together again with their director Stuart gordon and um ken forey who you know patrick knew from keenan and cal but <laughs> patrick patrick i don't want to i don't i hate to call out your cinephile card here but uh <laughs> The original Dawn of the Dead is where most of us know him from. <laughs> oh, what are you saying that most people don't know the hit sitcom Keenan and Kelser? And who knows? Perhaps <laughs> it's a generational thing, but <laughs> I will always know him for being the badass in Dawn of the Dead. Nah, then, I, I know he was in that. But... Um, we have to call out Ted Sorrell, too, who plays uh, oh. Doctor Doctor Pretorius. Um, Just movie... creep of the week. Love it. Creep, oh, yeah. Um, uh, budgeted four and a half million dollars, made uh, one uh, 1.2 million at the box office. Um, the I watched the collector's edition Blu ray, which I believe has the unrated director's cut mm-hmm. on it. Uh, very goopy, of course. Uh, it has a um, 78% approval rating on Rotten Tomatoes, which I'm a little um, surprised it's that good. Uh, this strikes me as something that uh, folks, um, stodgy critics, would be a little, um, <laughs> a little against. <laughs> yeah, it does definitely like. There's definitely moments towards the end too where it's like, yeah, I could see how people um, with more refined palates, perhaps. Yeah, but I think um, most of them seem to like e- Ebert and Ebert and Gene. <laughs> that's what i'm calling them ebert and gene uh they both they both semi liked it and i think that they um they admired Stuart gordon yeah. and i think that you know i guess we can you know start there is you know Stuart gordon who was a um initially recognized for kind of um super controversial experimental theater oh before he moved into horror he um you know, out of Chicago, and I guess uh, his live theater was at the University of Wisconsin in the 60s. Um, but he was, um, you know, made the transition to becoming a filmmaker. And, you know, he, beyond his interest in theater and kind of pushing boundaries there, he's a total um, H.P. Lovecraft fanatic. Mm. Obviously, both Reanimator and From Beyond, um, Castle Freak. Um, you know, I think uh, Dagon. Um, oh, don't know it. I don't know. I haven't seen that one. But you know, he he had an up and down career. He somehow wrote um, "Honey, I Shrunk the Kids," which probably <laughs> probably, pay, probably paid for some things. <laughs> uh, I love that. You gotta have one. You have to have your your. You know, you gotta get that nut, and then you gotta go back to doing your passion. And I think, you know, obviously a very, like, intriguing, unique filmmaker. And I think that, like, you can even feel, though, the difference, you know, see, like, Dolls, his film, like, the year after this one, and even up to Castle Freak, that um, 
the budgets weren't like I don't know. There's there's a refined spirit to both Reanimator and From Beyond that I don't see in some of his other films. Not to say that his other films are bad because of that, but um, mm-hmm. you know, I think he he towed the line. I don't think he was interested in um, mass appeal. I think he wanted to be challenging. I think he wanted to push push boundaries. Um, you know, one one interesting thing to note is uh, he made a movie in 1990 called Robot Jocks. <laughs> a lot of people, I think, predates uh, what's the Guillermo del Toro one? Oh, um, Pacific Rim, yeah, Pacific Rim. Um, but uh, Robot Jocks, a film that in 1990, uh, for eight year old Don and his brother Andrew, <laughs> only four, uh, very intriguing <laughs> to us. <laughs> uh, it, it's, it's hey, it's infinitely better than like any fucking like pseudo Gundam, like your Transformers. Your yeah, hundred percent. The poster of giant robots doing battle in live action, thrilling, <laughs> absolutely thrilling. Uh, we watched Dolls for Jen's podcast, like like a month about a month ago too. Oh, uh, never seen it. But uh, yeah, a really interesting filmmaker, uh, by all accounts, a, um, you know, deeply nice guy, beloved in the horror community, um, the way that um, Crampton and Combs talk about him, too. You know, it's super loving, you know, cool uncle, fatherly, even style. Um, he died a couple of years ago. Yeah. Oh, actually, a- you know, he died um, actually last year. That's March of last year. Um, and yeah, I mean, but, you know, just a beloved figure, you'll almost everybody who nobody has, seems to have a bad thing to say about him. And he, you know, continued to push and work. And he did a um, <laughs> reanimator, the musical live show, you know, <laughs> just, you know, a constantly curious guy. And, you know, you got to like it. It's, it's a, it's, you wish that, um, you know, he'd gotten, few more swings at the plate his final film was in um 2007 a movie called stuck which i've never seen but i always like thought the premise was really interesting about a woman who hits a guy in a car and she's drunk and um he's stuck in her windshield and she just goes home (laughs) with the guy with this guy stuck in her windshield (laughs) but i mean he did a mammoth movie in uh, 2005 called edmund Oh, I'm looking at so, that right now. Actually, that's so funny. A very, a very unique guy, um, <laughs> and very cool guy. I wish, um, you know, I wish he'd done more. I, you know, definitely a guy would have been neat to meet, too. You know, uh, it's it, it's one of those things too, where you know, all we can do is say, I wonder if, but like, you know, had there been something in America similar to Canada. Like that, like that film council, whatever. Yeah. However, they get that funding because, like, you look at David Cronenberg, right? And I feel like they share some similarities. At the very least, a love for goop and the psychosexual. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and like, you know, if, if 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 Stewart had been born north of the border, or had he have had the funding, adequate funding early on, had he? Yeah. Had, yeah. You you wonder if he could have. Uh, kind of fostered because i think he had it in him i think he could have done like bigger yeah uh, weird thing yeah and i th- also think too um he may have been you know decade and a half too early on the um lovecraft yeah love. um you know because it seems right now weirdly enough for such a troubling figure lovecraft is quite popular <laughs> yeah he is <laughs> like a 
It's it's funny, yeah. Total, yeah, total creep, total xenophobe, and and I think it's actually a testament to uh, Stuart Gordon's skills as a director uh, that he doesn't bring any of that uh, that aspect of Lovecraft. He brings like that, you know, that uh, otherworldly horror into the mix. Yeah, uh, yeah, but he he leaves behind the xenophobia and the racism. For have good. you um have you yeah. read much Lovecraft? A little bit. Um, nothing too crazy. I read. I think I've read one or two shorts, like one about like fish people in like middle school. But it's just it's, for some reason I've never. Um, I just was never hugely interested in him for whatever mm-hmm. reason. But I like. Uh, you know, I obviously like a lot of stuff that was. Uh, you know, influenced. I think his influence is kind of like you know, uh, pretty. Uh, the scope of his influence is pretty wide. Yeah, and I mean, I really dig kind of the like the 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 idea of cosmic horror. I think that, that's really cool. And that like, is the term I was looking for. Yeah, the miss the kind of mysterious, just overall creepy vibes. The uncontrol like the godlike powers coming down on you that you have no control over. Um, the unexplained mysteries of the cosmos coming at you in horrifying ways. Uh, really interesting. Like I, Stephen King wrote a book a few years ago called Revival that was super Lovecraft influenced. It was one of Stephen King's best of oh. recent years, and has a very horrific uh, type ending. But I agree. Like I only, I've only read a handful of the short stories myself. And yeah. Um, I, 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 yeah. Okay, sorry. Oh no, I mean, yeah, I left off actually halfway through Reanimator was the last time I was reading it. Oh uh, man, that's funny. Like he's like, yeah, it. Uh... I think cosmic horror is like a cool side. And, and what's interesting too is I, I do think that is like the thing that scares me the most is what I can't under explain. Like that yeah. is, yeah, that is what's scary. That is what's scariest to me. And I think that, um, I think from beyond understands that to a certain degree. And maybe even there's a little bit of that in Castle Freak. Uh, yeah, it also allows you to not have to, um, you know, we've talked a little bit about on the pod before, but our kind of distaste and over-explaining situations. Yeah. Like, in this world of cosmic horror, it's just like, it's just bad, man. Just accept it. Yeah, <laughs> like, you know what? Uh, don't play God, or else yeah. weird God-like things are going to happen Yeah, that are bad. <laughs> you're <laughs> like, you're going to get uh, bit by an air eel. Mm-hmm. But Nobody yeah, just, likes that. Yeah, and I think like cosmic stuff too can like lead toward really cool kind of psychedelic vibes oriented movies. Yeah. Too. But I, you know, so from beyond came out in 86. Um, basic story. Uh, centers on a pair of scientists who are attempting to stimulate the pineal gland with a device called the resonator. And uh, Patrick, I don't know. I mean, Jen and I have been house hunting lately and um you know, top on my list is a resonator. House better yeah. come with a resonator. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I'm going to be, if I don't have a resonator that can stimulate my pineal gland, <laughs> I am going to be peep peep. Because you know what I hate? I hate having to get rid of air eels and I can't see them. You know, if I have people over and they're like, oh, man, you have a lovely new house. Where's the resonator? Well, I have to. We don't have one. How? Boy, uh, what what a little stooge I'm gonna look like. Uh, <laughs> you're gonna look like uh, such a fool in L.A. I know. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, in Hollywood, where we come from, yeah, the home of Tariq. You know, you go over to J.J. Abrams' house. Guess what he's got? 
resonator. <laughs> that's Jeff- how we, that's Jeffrey how we... Katzenberg. He's got himself a resonator. <laughs> Spielberg. Angelina Jolie. You name it. They got resonators. Uh, when you say J.J. Abrams and Katzenberg, I'm like, okay, I don't want to. If That's where Quibi came from. I'm good. <laughs> yeah, well, they, they were stimulating their pineal gland, and they're like, you know what we need? I don't know what Quib. Yeah, Quibi. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> Quibi, Quibi sounds like something that Jeffrey Combs was experimenting with in this film, though. Um, You'll wreck the Quibi! Except it was kind of goopy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Um, but, of course, um, the experiments begin the ability to perceive creatures from another dimension mm-hmm. and uh, drag the head scientist into the world, returning him as a grotesque, shape-shifting monster that preys upon others at the laboratory. And this is Dr. Edward Petrorius, who also is a sex freak. Yeah. Oh, man. You know, um, you know he's bad when he has, like, an Afrikaans-sounding surname. Well, everybody's yeah. got rock and, just rockin' names. Oh, I mean, some of, the, some of the great names. Uh, Jeffrey Combs is Dr. Crawford Tillinghast. Barbara Crampton plays Dr. Catherine McMichaels. Ted Sorrell is, of course, Dr. Edward Petrorius. And Ken Foreys. Bubba Brownlee. <laughs> uh, Bubba rules. That's the best. He's um, the best one. So basically, Petrorius gets taken away. Jeffrey Combs, who's his partner in this, his assistant, uh, finds this quite freaky, and he ends up losing it and gets uh, committed to a psychiatric ward where he's treated by Dr. McMichaels, who's played by uh, Barbara Crampton. Uh, she finds all of this very unique, what is going on, and <laughs> she's convinced of Crawford's innocence, and so they're like, let's go back to the house and check out this resonator, despite all evidence being that they should leave the resonator. Nah, it's utter- like, don't, don't utterly do alone. <laughs> yeah. And they're accompanied, uh, accompanied by Detective Bubba Brownlee, uh, who is investigating the death. And they get in the house, they check out their they um, check out the resonator, and almost immediately, <laughs> oh, this movie comes in at a hot 86 minutes so no wasted time in this one at all things start getting weird petrorius shows up as a just goopy malformed monster who (sighs) wants to assault barbara crampton oh yeah very grody (laughs) very grody Uh, luckily jeffrey combs and uh ken forey are there to help out at first um but then things just get stranger um and goopier and gorier and psycho more psychosexual um yeah well the thing too is like the pineal gland it doesn't just um it doesn't just uh increase your perception it also makes you horny yeah it makes you super (laughs) duper horny (laughs) so this is the one side effect so i mean what's rocking about this movie is like as they head into the climax, like the big action sequence has Barbara Crampton in full S&M gear, Jeffrey uh, Combs shaved bald and burnt to the crisp, but still alive, and Ken Forey fighting in <laughs> some very skimpy skimpies. <laughs> you know? Yeah, oh man, yeah, you get and, the full package with this man. Yeah, there's uh, not a lot left to the imagination with any of our cast. In this yeah. film. <laughs> <laughs> And it just, I don't even want to like, because it's fun for you all to be, if you have not seen this movie, I'm actually going to not do spoilers for this one, because I think it's fun to have your jaw dropped. 
by some of the where some of this movie goes. But what I can say, it's like it's really, really gory. Mm-hmm. It walks the line on some pretty rough scenarios. Um, and it should has no right to be this fun because of all of it. And it's mm-hmm. super fun. And on that note, too, I think I think Barbara Crampton's great in it. Yeah, she actually, it's what's interesting, what I love about um, Barbara Camp- Crampton, and um, to a certain extent, I think, uh, you know, Ted Sorrell, Ken Foray, uh, Forey, uh, and uh, Jeffrey Combs, is that they take material that potentially in the, I feel like with weaker actors, and I'm not even saying weaker is in like bad actor, but if you got like, I don't know, like the generic male leads of Chopping Mall, right? Mm. Who are great. They were fun. And yeah, I love Super fun. Yeah, yeah, super fun. But like, um, they, I don't think they have enough. I think what makes this film, takes this film to the next level is the texture that Barbara Crampton and Jeffrey Combs and Ken Forey and Ted Sorrell bring to this movie because they're all genuinely idiosyncratic and, and kind of weird. Maybe they're, like, they're, yeah. they're weird, but they're super sincere, and like everything matters. Like there's no hint of irony, despite the fact that it could deeply go down the road of camp. Mm-hmm. Quite, that's a very slippery slope with this movie. Yeah, if it became a little too self-aware or a yeah. little too, uh, it would be. Yeah, everything fun. is accepted though at face mm-hmm. value in this. It's scary. It's gross. It's just, but everyone reacts appropriately. It's you know, and you care about all three of them. Oh yeah, like them. And, and it's a truly like, yeah, Combs gives like a, it's like he's like fucking Gollum by the end of it, where he doesn't even know, like he's, uh, I, I, I guess I shouldn't, I, like we're trying not to spoil too much. But but I, but... I will say though, like when you think we've lost Jeffrey Combs at mm-hmm. the end of it and he reemerges, it's a very triumphant moment. Yeah. <laughs> it's really great. <laughs> you're like, yes, I'm so happy, you know. Yeah, you're you know? like more more Crawford. Hell yeah. yeah. But I mean, it's 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 also really neat to see, you know, she is the lead of the movie. Oh, the end yes. of the day. And is she's given a really cool part. And I know that he kind of um one of Stuart Gordon's kind of goals was to flip it that she would be that Jeffrey would be the damsel in distress kind of in this one. And she would be the kind of hero character where she was the damsel in distress in um, reanimator. And I think he, Stuart Gordon saw something in these two actors that clearly the rest of Hollywood didn't mm-hmm. in the same vein. And it goes to show like, there's interesting, talented people everywhere, and if you if you just like give them a shot, they can really like make things sing. And you know, again, like I think that this movie, yeah, could be really silly, and it actually isn't. No, it is, it's fun, but it isn't silly. Yeah, and like even uh, the stuff that you could, um, you know, I would say uh, nowadays probably hasn't aged as well as other things. Like I think there's certain you know, VFX things, like mm-hmm. maybe like some of the floating creatures, for example, that uh, are perhaps a little less uh, uh, scary than they probably would have been like in the mid eighties. Uh, but I think just like the fact that it's all like 
kind of just like and there's like a charm to it nowadays like it's got we've gone past the point where like we're like oh that's just bad vfx and now it to me i kind of like just appreciate it from yeah, that angle yeah too. and i i gotta say you know it's better than small computers gigantic computers that fill up a room they always look better in movies oh, yes giant he- computers look real giant computers are cool Better, better put a fucking lever on that bad boy. Like a big, yeah, just like a yeah. boink. Like I want mm. an up and down. Yeah, and frankly, if you're going to design Resonator 2.0, make it easier to unplug. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, and don't, yeah, make sure that, um, you know, you, when you unplug it, maybe you put like a little plastic guard over the edge and just on the off chance that the electricity yeah. somehow leaves the uh, leaves yeah, the cord. And frankly, if you're, if you're going to put someone in charge of the resonator um don't don't put someone who already seems crazy yeah don't put a super pervert like yeah like this guy this guy is on a list somewhere like i, I do like though that they just throw that in it's like okay we we know that this all this weird goopy sci-fi stuff is happening and then they go in and does he have a uh, 50 shades of gray sex dungeon yes, <laughs> yeah. yes he does. oh man okay so yeah that movie would be so much better uh, 50 shades of gray oh if, if there yeah. was a resonator as well yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. If, if, if christian gray is like i'm a man of peculiar quirks and he, and he opens a door and there's Resonator. He's, he's got a yeah, and I mean he's a rich guy too. So oh, yeah. I mean, just like just like Katzenberg and Abrams and Angelina Jolie. Yeah. The guy they, from Fifty Shades of Grey. Oh yeah. All the greats in Hollywood, they all have weird eye stocks. They all have pineal glands, just like big as hell. Obviously, they're also all harvesting children to live forever. Oh, <laughs> oh wait. yeah. Oh wait. <laughs> oh, now we're on. Now we're gonna get murdered. Yeah. Oh, so well, yeah, it turns out of one year, and it was all a big QAnon setup. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. Oh no. Oh, that resonated. Oh. Oh, we we got we got resonated. Um, but yeah, this movie's a total blast. If you haven't seen it, absolutely check it out. It, perfect obviously perfect time of the year yeah to take a look at this movie and you know add it to your uh add it to your scary movie list uh, yeah. all, you know asap because it's super fun everyone you watch it it's a, I, I imagine it's a really fun one to watch with friends oh yeah too. and yeah it's just it's just a terrific movie and and barbara crampton i i mean you know we'll get into it with the rest of these films but this might be my favorite of her performances I think you're right. I think it is uh, my favorite as well. Uh, and I think it's like the one where she gets to be a multifaceted character. Yeah. Like it's like her character is so three-dimensional in this film. Not that she doesn't play interesting characters in the next two films, but she gets she gets more to do than to be the spouse, which is really nice. Yeah. Or the mom. Yeah. yeah. It's it's a it's a true I mean, it's a true authoritarian authoritative leading role. And I think that's cool. Yeah. yeah. I think it's really neat. And, you know, she certainly has, I mean, well, she just made a film jumping forward a little in time called uh, Jacob's wife uh, that I've watched recently uh, that she is actually a producer on as oh, well. Cool. And it's a bit, and she is the titular wife in that film. Uh, and it's a real opportunity for her to, you know, she, she fostered it into existence to kind of have a similar level of pretty giant, leading role um i'm not sure if the movie's totally perfect but 
it's neat nonetheless that it exists. And Larry Fessenden plays her plays Jacob in it. Awesome. They have a very cool relationship and he rules too. I mean, we could have done this episode about him. And oh, that would man. have been that would have been super fun as well. Oh yeah, he's an interesting character. Yeah, an, abs- <laughs> an absolute New York king. Um, but you know, moving along from from beyond, after that, Barbara did. You know, I mean, things started to get. So you know, we got a few dicey films in here. Does a cameo in Puppet Master. Uh, she's supposed for Playboy around this time period. Um, oh, Transfer wow. Transfers Transfers Two Robot Wars. And then, but in 1995, she reunited with Stuart Gordon, Jeffrey Combs in a movie called Castle Freak, which was direct to video. Did you know that? Yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and, <laughs> that uh, I didn't know. <laughs> yeah. So I have no numbers on um, box office oh, for yeah. Castle Freak, um, a full moon production. <laughs> um, <laughs> currently, it's a 63 on um rotten tomatoes which you know not too bad yeah honestly sur- considered honestly surprised it's uh, fresh which is no 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 shade to the movie by the way um and i think um joel harley of whorenews.net uh i think um kind of summed it up i think he you know it's a gem scary and gruesome and disturbing excellently acted by combs and crampton cinematography location gore and special effects are outstanding creature design is awful in a good way uh Stuart Gordon's direction is of course great um the plot with uh the blind daughter seems somewhat obvious but thankfully doesn't take it as distasteful as it turned as the one with the prostitute yeah. it's a minor work when compared to reanimator and from beyond but no less <laughs> effective in spite of its flaws it ranks among the best lovecraft adaptations of all time and uh you know i gotta say joel pretty spot on with all those comments yeah <laughs> honestly as someone who um you know i primarily knew this movie through my favorite uh one of my favorite podcasts the flop house uh there's a person on it uh stuart wellington who has a recurring joke about uh how he thought for the longest time that <laughs> the castle freak ripped off his own dick in this movie <laughs> <laughs> which this does not happen i think what no. happened is a young stewart saw the thumb scene thought that was a ding dong <laughs> yeah <laughs> So the basic plot line is is Jeffrey Combs plays John Riley, an American recovering alcoholic who inherits an Italian castle when a distant wow. relative passes away. Trials to Italy with his estranged wife, Susan, Barbara Crampton, and his blind daughter, Rebecca, played by Jessica Dollarhide. And yes, a role that is four steps at that for being very very exploitive um, yeah it's a little weird <laughs> dangerously exploitive um the three plan to stay at the castle but unbeknownst to them a freakish monster is locked away in the basement <laughs> of the castle and is about to escape and commit a series of murders yeah this, this monster by the way who uh, subsists on what i assume is just like it's like one slice of bread and one tiny slice of salami. Well, it looked like the bread that um, Russell and Frank share in the in the Irishman. So it was probably pretty good. <laughs> oh yeah, no, it's great bread. But I'm like, this guy, he gotta feed him some more. Give, give him, him more some salami. Grape ju- give him some grape juice to dunk that bread. Yes. Um, <laughs> the police place John as the prime suspect in these murders, leading him to confront his alcoholism, fight the demon, and prove himself innocent. Um, so it went into production in 94 after Gordon noticed art for the film 
film that did not exist yeah. in producer Charles Band's office. <laughs> yeah. Who, by the way, I'm pretty sure owns that castle. <laughs> yeah. And, I mean, if you don't know, Charles Band is like a, one of these guys who's in a long line of these just wonderful, like, you name it, Corman, Golan, and Globus, down the line kind of Hollywood guys who just pump them out. And yeah. if it if it's if it's schlock, if it's <laughs> schlock, at least it's like sellable schlock. And yeah. um, you know, and really relies on genre movies, TNA movies, that kind of thing. Um, so Gordon agreed to develop the film on band's condition that the film takes place in a castle. <laughs> contains a freak and would be shot on a very low budget. Uh, and it's got to have a castle, got to have a and freak. And Gordon agreed to this if he was able to cast whoever he wanted and get final cut. Um, shot in 94 in a castle owned by band in Italy. You're absolutely correct. I love it. Uh, same location too where Gordon had previously previously shot the pit and the pendulum. <laughs> Don, we got to find the guy who has a castle. Yeah, well, and then just like, I mean, this is like, this is the way movies used to be made, folks. Yeah. We have a castle available. All right, let's come up with 10 movies that we can do yeah. this castle. Castle I mean, made. Like, castle detective. I mean, those stories about Corman, like, shooting a movie and then being, well, still got the sets. Let's throw something together. <laughs> you know, yeah. do another one. Yeah. What a beautiful thing. Oh, it rules. And, God bless it. You know, yeah, it, I mean... Obviously, we want we want the big budget spectacles too. You know, spend two hundred million on the Bond movie. That's cool. Do it, but um, we need we need we need the um, we need the the lower class citizens of Hollywood to be represented as well Um, (laughs) in these. You know, and these are satisfying movies. You know, and I think this one is a really really interesting movie because. There's a castle and a freak doing exactly what you'd expect from both. But simultaneously, there is a very intense marriage drama about alcoholism and grief. Yeah. <laughs> that, that, it, that Stuart Gordon seems to be a little more interested in. <laughs> Not since Danny Collins has someone been through so much at once. Not yes. only he's lost his job, he lost his kid. He made his daughter blind. He's an alcoholic. I will have to say, though, if Danny Collins and his son with cancer had had to also deal with a castle freak, I probably would have found Danny Collins more enjoyable. Oh, dude, yeah, that makes that movie go from like a C minus to a B minus easily. What a what a twist! It's like, Dad, I have cancer, and also, guess what? My house in Long Island. I just discovered we got a castle freak. <laughs> now, the, the, now it's not a it's a it's still a it's still a townhouse, but I, it's a it's, it is a castle freak though. I mean, how many things can you be dealing with? You got the cancer, your daughter's got ADD, and now you got a castle freak. <laughs> Get this, the, the castle freak has ADD, ADHD too. Yeah. Oh no, that would, that would absolutely be that this is us guy with like, well, you know, the castle freak, he got held back a grade, so he's hurting. <laughs> <laughs> ah, just castle freak at the... They're taking castle freak to that insane private school. 
Yeah, and the guy's like, no, we, we can we can make anything work. It costs a boatload to get here. You got yourself a castle freak. Send him here. We'll teach him Braille. We'll teach him Braille. We'll teach him. Yeah, we'll teach him. <laughs> Still just doing all that weird. Uh, by the way, uh, Jonathan Fuller as the cat, the titular castle freak, his moan game is on point. You know, I liked, I thought it was cool. You know, this movie is cool. <laughs> It's it's it's, 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 it's yeah. It, it, I mean, I agree. Like the part with the prostitute that we had kind of alluded to is pretty gross. Yeah, that part sucks. That was the one it's part where I was like, too literally much. starting with Jeffrey Combs having sex with her against a wall. Yeah, um, and you can but, cut it out of the movie too. You know. Yeah, not even needed. But yeah. uh, at the same time, I mean, an exploitation movie is an exploitation movie. Oh yeah, no, that's like yeah. that's like the band tax, I imagine. Yeah, and I think like. This gives, I know that Combs and um, Barbara Crampton are very proud of their performances in this film. Yeah. And I think rightfully so. I think that they are trying, you know, and they, they are super comfortable with each other. Gordon, again, is giving them more challenges, more interesting things to do, you know, and he appreciates them as an actor. But I mean, you know, I think that if you wanted to, like, take a look at, like, how that these guys were looked at in 1995, I mean... Jeffrey Combs is kind of an eccentric who doesn't have the credits that Jeff Goldblum or John Malkovich do. And Barbara Crampton's an aging babe, probably yeah. in the mind of um, yeah, Hollywood like... executives, not us, but oh, Hollywood no, no, no. executives. But Stuart Gordon saw in them far more multitudes. And I think yeah. that's so neat. And, and, you know, in particular, I think this is Jeffrey Combs movie. I think yeah. Barbara's really good, but I think this is Jeffrey Combs' movie. He's really, his character has a great arc. The way it turns out is very appropriately written, how the ending goes down. Uh, again, I think the only one we're going to spoil is your next because I've got thoughts on some of the twists in your next. Oh, yeah, same but, here. Um, but, I, but I think, um, you know, overall, they're really trying hard. Yeah, you know, I think that that's like, the time you know through all of the gordon movies that have these these two actors in them there's a level of sincerity and a level of craft and care that's being put into these like they're not just fucking around for a paycheck they they don't think that they're making schlock and i think that that's cool man like i think it's really cool and i and i'm a big jeffrey combs fan i know that the first time i saw him was actually in the movie the frighteners Oh Peter yeah, Jackson film. He's so and good in that. I'll never forget Patrick. This was such a, like a cool moment. We 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 were all like Frighteners came out when I was in high school. I was friends with some of the older some older uh, classmates, and um, you know two or three years older than me. I had not seen Reanimator at that time, mm. and um, or from Beyond. And when he showed up in the Frighteners, though, like all the guys who are like juniors and seniors, they're like, oh, Jeffrey Combs, hell yeah. And I was like, well, this guy must be really cool and interesting <laughs> was kind of my reaction to it. And he, of course, was. But it was just like that was like and then he's wild and crazy and eccentric in the Frighteners as well. A very good movie. You know, before we move on, I think, Patrick, you should you should. Uh, you should uh, give an Academy Academy um, confession with your oh. little with your little oopsie doopsie that came earlier today when it comes to Castle Freak. Oh yeah, I uh, so 
man, I thought I had a Blu-ray for Castle Freak and I couldn't find it. And I was like, oh, damn, I wonder if I, you know, left it at home or, you know, sometimes I'll just sell a bunch of stuff on a whim. Uh, but uh, not just like random, <laughs> like <laughs> like books and stuff. I'm not just selling furniture. It's like I'll occasionally I'll like I'll, I'll I'll grab some books. I ain't reading no more. Who, send it to who, needs, a, who needs a couch? Who needs, a couch? Yeah, right who needs a fridge? <laughs> who needs? Yeah, <laughs> this water bottle. Yeah, it's yours. <laughs> Sold your stove and it's in there. It's like, oh, no. But now how am I going to cook? <laughs> oh, thank you, microwave. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> I sold that too. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> but at least I got this um, Monet. <laughs> uh, but uh, I, uh, you yeah, know, who are I, you, Aurora Greenway, with your Renoir? Um, <laughs> <laughs> My Renoir, yeah, I am Aurora Greenway. Uh, but I am Aurora Greenway. But I, I um, say, I say, I am Aurora Greenway. <laughs> Oh, oh, I do. Yeah, I forgot. All right, let's get to your oopsie doopsie. <laughs> Gotta get to my. We're doing this. <laughs> yeah, well, I would just... say we're off the rails, but there just are no more rails. Oh no, we're just we're mudding. Uh, we're, the academy academy is mudding. But uh, um, but uh, I've accidentally purchased the 2020 Castle Freak, and it took me like five minutes of watching because it starts off very differently. It's like I'm like a mate, like I'm none. And the nuns in front of like a, you know, like a, one of those classic Catholic, uh, you know, crosses with Jesus hanging on it. And she's one like, classics. oh, you love it. You love it. It's a classic Christ cross. Mm. But um, and she and she's like hit whipping herself with the, that cat of nine tails. Oh, yeah. And it's like, I don't I mean, I remember the cat of nine tails, but I don't remember the the nun part. And then like she like kills herself i think or she she like whips herself until she dies and then like the castle freak comes in and <laughs> and, and is like sad that she's dead but i think she's also kind of horny for her but she has like maggots in her face it's weird it's like not it's very different saying your grandma's castle freak no it's not yeah and i did not didn't finish it because i was like uh, i don't know if i want to watch 2020 i've already done this i already did this with another movie and that didn't end well <laughs> i don't know if i want to i don't i don't yeah. think i want to waste another few hours of my life again. <laughs> going in style <laughs> oh god yeah jesus christ what a bad i think that is the worst movie i've seen for the podcast like just a just a, just a, i mean the only thing that the only positive that film has for me is Michael Caine got to pay for another like yacht or whatever. Mm-hmm. He's like he, he, you know, he got to put another vase in his Jaws Revenge condo. I saw that Oscar Isaac said that when they asked him if he would do another Star Wars, a Poe Dameron adventure. He goes, "Well, if I need another house, <laughs> hell yeah!" I mean, <laughs> hell David, yeah, player. <laughs> yeah, that's, what, that's why David Cross did Alvin and the Chipmunks, baby. Yeah, <laughs> got to get that summer home. Get that well, nut. I mean, honey, I shrunk the kids. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, and that hey, that actually turned out to be like semi decent. Like, yeah, yeah Rick yeah. Moranis, he's fun in that. Good, good, good kids movie. Yeah, yeah, good, great kids movie. It's better than Alvin and the Chipmunks. Like, you less, less. Alvin and the Chipmunks, man, that's like a squeakle. Squeakle. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> transfers. They should that should have been a transfers the squeakle. <laughs> yeah, transfers the squeakle. <laughs> Bring it um, back. But okay. yeah, and I think um, yeah, I think this is a, this is a neat movie. It's not from Beyond or Reanimator, but it's definitely worth your time. Yeah, it's um, fun. She appeared again in '96 in Space Truckers, another Stuart Gordon one. This one, a um, little bit bigger budget, had Dennis Hopper and Stephen Dorff in it too. Uh, um, Debbie so- Mazar, of course, from wow. um, 
from what uh, some of our fav from the insider among others and brief appearance in collateral um she was in the godson <laughs> rodney dangerfield dom de 1998 very timely godfather parody <laughs> oh no i mean you know i guess it's like out of her typical you know yeah. That's fun. But in essence, uh, things started to slow down a bit. Like Patrick mentioned, she moved to the Bay Area. She started a family. And um, this kind of led to in around 2011, she was cast in a film called You're Next. Yeah. And You're Next is clearly the generation that grew up on the videos that she was in. Oh, 100%. Um, you know, Adam Wingard, uh, who directed and edited the film, and Simon Barrett, who wrote it, are real, up, you know, students of the game. Mm-hmm. And so you're next. She was casting your next alongside of a whole bunch of new, newer kind of young guns. And um, it really brought her to a new audience because, I mean, I remember when your next came out, a, a lot of people were saying, it was like, oh, it's great to see Barbara Crampton again. You know, she, she, she had been gone for a little while and. What a nice thing to get her in the get her a decent part in a cool new movie, cool new horror movie. On top of that, so basically, uh, your next was really um, had its world premiere at the 2011 Toronto International Film Festival, but was not theatrically released until 2013. Um, directed by Adam Wingard, written by Simon Barrett, the film co-stars just a who's who of people of this moment in a certain way. Uh, Sharni Vincent, Nicholas Tucci, Wendy Glenn, AJ Bowen, Joe Swanberg, Rod Moran, um, Amy Simons, Ty West, Larry Fessenden, Caitlin Scheel. These are all people, if you were watching um, Mumblecore movies. Yeah. Uh, these are kings and queens of that time period. And, you want to get into it? We can because I saw all of them in the moment. I was very, very invested in the Mumblecore movement in that in those years. This is kind of a cool film because it is like a meeting of Mumblecore and indie horror. Yeah, yeah, and you know, I think that that's um, it's certainly kind of where the idea is that, and they they um, you know, move forward in that too. Many of these people continued. To kind of cross over mumblecore and horror, you know, especially when they knew that um, a lot more money to be made in making horror movies, uh, you know. But I mean, even like Ty West at this point had already made movies like House of the Devil, and um, I'm not sure if The Innkeepers was out yet, but definitely on those lines. Yeah. Oh, um, man. Adam Wingard's uh, movie that was previous to this one uh, was a film uh, called A Horrible Way to Die. Mm. which um, Amy Simons was the lead of. Um, he co-directed a movie with uh, Joe Swanberg called Autoerotic, um, which I have seen. <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here first, folks. You, you heard it here first. And he's also in, he also was in um, Art History, 24 Exposures, The Zone, all movies directed by. Joe Swanberg. He was recently in last year's She Dies Tomorrow, which was directed by Amy Simons. Um, this group is very, very kind of incestuous. Yeah, in well, their work, in their work together, and super duper prolific. Yeah, well. and, they've, and they've really like a lot of these guys have really come into their own kind of in the past uh, 
five years, I would say. Like, with- I mean, obviously, Adam Wingard directing Godzilla Kong yeah. earlier this year. That's probably like a, a, a yeah. giant deal. If, if, you, if that's not making it, I don't know what is. Like- yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. he's now firmly ingrained. Uh, Simon Barrett had his directorial debut earlier this year with a film called Here, Sorry About the Baby. For a second. Yeah, let's pause. She's like not even crying. She's just having a great time. Oh, that rules. I, I want to be a baby. That sounds fun. Mm-hmm. But Simon Barrett made his directorial debut earlier this year with a movie called Seance. Oh. Uh, that's on Shutter now. Um, you know, Joe Swanberg has continued to be incredibly prolific. Um, yeah. and, he, and he actually co-wrote and produced The Rental, Dave Franco's directorial debut that came out last year. Um, another horror movie. Um, you know, Ty West has continued to work a lot. Amy Simons is not only a celebrated director of like She Dies Tomorrow and um, Sun Don't Shine, but also, you know, she was in fucking Alien Covenant. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like all these people have like kind of it's nice to see that all these people have made it to a certain degree one way or another. Yeah. And uh, the aforementioned Larry Fessenden. Oh, yeah. In the mix, too. Caitlin Shield, who's, who yeah. is the lead of all of Amy Simons' movies. I mean, it's just kind of just down the line. Um, you know, the only one that, you know, we got to give a shout out because I think he's terrific in the movie. Nicholas Tucci, who plays Felix, one of the kids, uh, sadly died of cancer. Oh, that's a bummer. And very, way too young. Yeah. Talented guy. Yeah. I, I like this. I like his performance in this movie. Yeah. Just a moment. Yeah, no worries. We'll be right back. But you can imagine how um, how exciting it was for Barbara Crampton to be, you know, invited back into the horror fold, and also with all of these young people who, or younger people, yeah, who really had a um, respect and appreciation for her and her history and her work. Um, your next the 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 general storyline of your next is very, um, you know, pretty straightforward. Yeah, it's it's. We have a, fa- a rich family, mm-hmm. the Davisons, who <laughs> have a vacation home in rural Missouri. Um, there are the parents, Aubrey and Paul. Uh, Barbara plays Aubrey. He and there's Crispin, Drake, Felix, and Amy, and they all have um, significant others that they're bringing along to them for this reunion. Um, the family. And this is actually something I was talking about, Jen. We've seen this movie a bunch. We actually saw this in the theater pretty early on when we were dating. Mm. Um, but um, the family is supposed to be pretty estranged. But I don't actually think the movie does a tremendous job of um, showing us just how estranged they are with based on what follows. 
yeah, it does seem. Um, uh, should we just say like the the crowd, like the we'll, the we'll get to it. We'll get to it in a moment because we also should mention that there is a cold open basically mm. to all of this, where this couple in another house who are played by Larry Fessenden and um, Caitlin Scheel are, you know, very typical horse set up. They're having sex, they have a drink, and then all of a sudden um, an attacker wearing a lamb mask comes in and kills them both. Yeah. So we all know, like, ooh, boy, there's stuff on the horizon. So cut back to the family. You know, they're all kind of getting to know each other. Um, In particular, we should note that Crispin, who's played by the wonderful A.J. Bowen, has brought his girlfriend, Aaron, who is played by Sharni Vinson, who is new to the entire scene. Um, this will matter momentarily. <laughs> um, uh, and so they sit down for dinner. All is going fine. And then all of a sudden, a crossbow flies through the window, nailing poor Ty West in the, in the fucking yeah. neck. Like, I, lo- I, love, I love his character. He has like his little ascot or whatever he's wearing. Hipster, he's a hipster filmmaker, literally yeah. making fun of himself. Yeah. And like his name, his like the character's name is Tariq. He is not a Tariq. He, no. he gave that name to himself. Self-appointed Tariq. He's a, he is a self-appointed Tariq. I will say my least favorite line of dialogue in the, in the whole movie. It's great. I like the movie on a whole. There's one line of dialogue that rings false where like he's having a conversation with um, Drake. Who's sort of like Drake's like the bully. He's like kind of yeah, the meanie. And he's the played meanie. by a Swanberg. Oh man, he plays him. I think he plays him very well, actually. Me too. Like, Me yeah, too. Probably my yeah. favorite performance in the movie, even second favorite. Uh, but there's um, one that we'll talk about momentarily. Who who is the clear best performance in the movie? <laughs> yeah, but uh, uh, at one point he asks. Uh, the Tariq is talking about how he was at the Cleveland Underground Film Festival, <laughs> and Drake is like underground, like. You, you go underground and I couldn't I had to assume that he was being like a little a little stinker when it's a little that. it's a little he's being a stinker and it's a little inside baseball because Swanberg is a director from film festivals Ty West is a director from film festivals yeah. and Adam Wingard is a director from film festivals that is true. So, that is, that's fair that's fair but it was like a little like they are making fun of the culture the only culture that they actually know <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I'll give it to them. That's yeah, fair. but you're right. You're it, right. Yeah. So, um, all hell breaks loose. Uh, oh, yeah. We got a series. We we have uh, folks. We got ourselves a home invasion movie. Yeah, um, <laughs> Tariq is down. Tariq is down. Crossbows are flying through the room. Cell phones have been jammed. Drake is nailed by another crossbow shot. Um, the quick, quick, very, very quickly though, as everyone else is completely and utterly freaking out. Crispin's girlfriend, Aaron, who's played by Sharni Vincent, immediately springs into action with a complete calm and cool and understanding of what it means to be utterly under attack. And you're like, oh, that's an interesting twist on everything. Uh-huh. And this leads to perhaps the, the, my favorite idea in the entire movie, which is unbeknownst to everyone in the family and Crispin, Sharni Vincent's character, Aaron, grew up in a survivalist camp and has, much like Liam Neeson in Taken, a <laughs> certain set of skills. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. Much to the chagrin of a carefully laid plan uh, by the perpetrators and perhaps 
some schemers within <laughs> yeah, yeah that's uh, the, uh, there are brief moments in the movie um where there's a moment in the movie where the tide turns and the hunters become the hunted oh and is, is there cool electronic music that comes in when that starts Ooh. going on you better believe it and it, does it work yes it does oh it's the bop I'm, it's so i'm gonna have a trouble choosing like, do I want to do the, the fun, ironic song they play as the intro to this? Or do I want to do that awesome techno? That song has been on almost every one of the mixes Jen and I have, like, romantically made for each other. The song from the beginning <laughs> of the 70s song. The uh, Dwight Twilley song. It's good. I'll it's give it song. to you. It's a yeah, good song. It, I think it's just because it was. this was one of the first movies that we watched together. Oh, um, that's nice. And we both, like, flipped for it. We really loved it. Rock and screening. As you would imagine, they just yeah. did a t- they just did a ten year anniversary of screening of it at Beyond Fest that they brought out. Wingard and Barrett and Barbara Crampton was there, and Charney Vinson was there, and brought down the house apparently. That fucking and okay, and we got to be clear too. I gotta talk about the lady of the night, Barbara Cramp- Barbara Cramps. Mm-hmm. She is she is like the heart of the movie, in my opinion. She is a troubled woman. Yep. She's a little shell shocked from the jump, yep. <laughs> and um, yeah, she just reacts appropriately to the yeah. terror. To she's the terror the, coming in, she's the moaning uh, center of the thing. Cause like it's, she's like the one who I think she kind of gets it before everyone else. Mm-hmm. She senses that shit is, and there's a scene because you know in the beginning of the movie, there's like a moment where um, she feels like she hears someone upstairs. Yeah, and Which uh, she might not be wrong about. Might not be wrong about, and uh, you know she gets. She's ultimately, you know, she's ultimately vilified. Uh, no, the opposite of vilified. She's vindicated. Vindicated, yeah. Vindicated. There Unfortunately, we go. also, I mean, spoiler alert, with an axe to the head. <laughs> uh, yeah, much, much. Yeah, she's like she, she might. She, she, might she, she doesn't last long. Oh no, she in might. But, but in my opinion, she might as well be the uh, number one song in Spider Man Two. <laughs> <laughs> she makes an impact. Um, I mean, we have to say Rob Moran, who's good, plays the patriarch of the family. Oh, yeah, but, he's fine, um, yeah. It's, we, you know, we talked about this before we started. Um, uh, should have been Massive known. missed opportunity not to cast Jeffrey Combs. And he would have been game. He, oh, he would have been terrific in the part. He would have yeah. been terrific. And he probably would have bought, like, I think I like the fact that the guy is kind of just kind of a white bread, rich blando. Yeah, I like it too. I think it's probably correct, but Jeffrey Combs would have bought an eccentricity to it, which would have been very groovy too. Yeah, it would have like, you know what, there's like times in this movie where like it kind of veers towards like absurdity a little bit or like mm-hmm. just weird. And like, I feel like, um, I don't know if it's what the Adam Wingard wanted, but Combs kind of would have veered it more towards that direction in a really fun yeah, way. I think that, you know, Adam Wingard in this one and i'm fine with it because i think a lot of directors you know we've talked a lot about quentin tarantino in this kind of just can't help themselves mm-hmm. to want to take it like and i think obviously we're talking about <laughs> fuck me in front of your dead mom <laughs> would be an yeah. example of unnecessary but at the same time memorable <laughs> yeah it's definitely one of those moments where like i feel like that character out of all the characters is sort of um uh what's the word i'm looking for uh it wouldn't happen in real life because like there yeah. is like i think like what what makes this this movie works the best when it feels uh believable it's 
so I guess we can get to yeah. some of my issues with the we'll spoil it right now, folks. Let's if you're not saying you're next, here we go. Um, so basically what is revealed is that these these three home invaders with the cool masks with this with who are hunting the family, it's revealed that they were hired by Felix and his girlfriend Z. And then in addition to that, Crispin is involved in it. Mm. And essentially they're gonna kill off all the family and get um, the inheritance um, that their rich family has. Um, I found it, the more times I see this movie, like the initial like um, adrenaline watching the movie, I didn't notice this as much. I find it very emotionally unreal. Yeah. The entire thing, the way they react. Like, I mean, like the Felix character stabs Joe Swanberg like nine times with screwdrivers. Yeah. And that's like, he might be an asshole, but I mean, this is like your brother who you grew up with. There is an emotional response needed to like any of it. You know, you know, like it's the thing where like, I feel like there was a certain point in this movie where like they kind of go by the rule of cool, where like, uh, does it make much sense that he's stabbing his brother like nine times with different knives? It's more knives? just like it's crazy. Yeah. Well, yeah. and it's also like the probably like one of the most famous uh, kills in this movie where like uh, Charney Vincent, she just takes a blender without the glass and just like blenders his head. It's great. Oh, it's great, it rules. Though. It rules. Does it? But it's also like I think there's like a turn in this movie where it kind of goes from like, and I think it is the turn is where um, Felix does like. You realize he's in cahoots. Yeah. And um, there's a part his of girl, His girlfriend becomes like a totally monstrous sex freak. Oh, yeah. It's like a suit. But it's, yeah, it's very like, um, like Jonan Vasquez. Very like, uh, like she's a goth girl that's totally down. Yeah. To fuck next to a dead mom. It's very like faux edgy. And I think that there's a part of me that like would have preferred it just have been Crispin. That's like, actually, I like that. I like that. Or I almost have of the mind, because we talked about like from beyond and like, you know, how the unknown, there's something like, there's something interesting about just leaving it be like, I'm almost. Well, I was down. thinking about uh, Brian Bertino's excellent film, The Strangers, the one with Liv Tyler, which yeah. does exactly that home invasion movie where there's no purpose. Uh, but just, it was, yeah. But that's a grim ass movie. This one's way more fun to watch. That is true. Also, I guess like, yeah, if they've done that before, because Strangers came out before. Uh, it's similar at the very least time. Yeah, period. so I feel like yeah, yeah there's a, there must have been a moment where Adam Wingard was probably like, okay, we can't just do the Strangers. We have to. And I think like if looking at <laughs> his other work, I mean, he did the, the his film to this was a, another favorite in our house, The Guest. Oh, he's that's a good big one. fan of that one. And then you know he he like he's fun. Yeah, he's a fun director. That's why he got Godzilla. That's why he was considered for, for a Fast and the Furious movie. He's like he's not as grim as like i like brian bertino's movies a lot like i really loved the one he did last year dark and the wicked um as well but they're unpleasant movies for yeah. the most part and that's why he that's why he's not directing godzilla <laughs> that's <laughs> true know? that's totally fair and yeah and i think that's 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 fine it doesn't have mm-hmm. to be a uh yeah no. it doesn't have to be i mean bleak. this movie this movie's not trying to like it's just supposed to be an awesome time. And yeah, and it's also be- just yeah, and for considering how like the shoestring budget too. Yeah, 
Uh, oh, and yeah, you know, it's there's some really nice stuff on the shoestring. And I think that it has to give me to like my favorite performance in this movie is Sharni Vincent as Aaron. Oh, or Vincent as Aaron. I mean, why was not why wasn't this a absolute star making performance? Yeah, for real. Because like, like she's she does not incredible. have a deep filmography after this. And it's it's awesome. I mean, she's great in it. She make like you believe all of her moves. She's like resourceful. You love seeing her take down these bad guys oh yeah it is like she um yeah she rocks it and it's a bummer yeah because i'm just i'm looking at her filmography right now and it's like uh, way less than you'd expect way yeah. less than you'd expect from someone who really like pops in this movie she's got a cool australian accent she's got a great look she's tough like she's she's fun she's like easy to root for i mean why hasn't she played like i don't know a suicide squad or something like that. Yeah, or honestly, Guardian of the Galaxy or something. James Gunn, scoop her up. Put her in something. She'd be great in your world, Jimmy. James Gunn, anyone call you Jimmy? <laughs> Jimmy. <laughs> Jimmy, baby. baby. A, she's your new Groot. <laughs> yeah, she's she's Groot, but she could fight. Yeah. <laughs> she's not a tree. She's a woman from Australia. <laughs> <laughs> I love that's like Charles Band's trying to... The, yeah, script, the script is good. Don't get me wrong. But uh, yeah, we're gonna... castle in Italy, you need it. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, the group group. We don't have a budget for a tree, tree, a tree man. We're gonna have to make her a woman. The tree's not believable. It doesn't sell, baby. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't have the it doesn't have the goods. Oh, but she has got the goods, and I. It's just it's a real damn shame that yeah, she has. We haven't seen more from her because she's just terrific in this movie, and it's just like she really like basically from the second she turns it on. Uh, you know, and we know, like, whoa, she knows how to, like, she, like, beats one of them to death with a claw hammer. And you're oh. like, that's great. Oh, it rules. <laughs> it's just terrific. I love it. Uh, there's so many times in this movie where one of her traps, like, fucks up one of the uh, assailants. And the assailants, all they seemingly can do is just go, oh, and it's just such a, I love it. I love these, is, like, Is there dumb- anything more satisfying, though, than, like, bad guys who think they're completely in control, who you hate? Making mistakes, yeah, like stepping on nails and shit. And it's getting, just great. Yeah, getting fucked up. Oh, I love it. That's like such a good. Uh, what a so good, satisfying. Yeah. Oh, uh, which makes it makes it all the sadder of the abrupt ending of this movie. <laughs> yeah. Although, again, I, it's another. Um, they're more interested in just being just kind of goofing off than like yeah true like emotional stakes or anything like that. Like yeah. And, you know, I love that this, um, and so basically, you know, flashing forward, she takes care of business on everybody. Yeah, she's a survivor. Including dropping the brother Felix with a blender to the head, which is pretty dope. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All no, things considered. Might be, uh, it's, I can't think of any other, it's a, it's a cool death. It's a very good. Yeah, and she stabs Z in the fucking dome with a knife. It's, it's just uh, terrific. Yeah, it's great stuff. And then... So Crispin, played by again, played by the wonderful AJ Bowen, <laughs> stumbles in. Oh, he God. he went out to search for help earlier. <laughs> it's revealed. I love it. He's like, I thought maybe we can go to Paris. Get engaged, maybe? Oh, and he's like God. selling her on like all this blood. She's covered in blood. She's killed everybody. And he's like, I did it for us, baby. And it's just it's you Slime love, to, ball. You, you you love, love to see it you love yeah. to see it you because you also like like perfect comedy like we were talking about with modern romance last week 
you know he's got something coming to him. <laughs> so Oh does, yeah. Does she after all this spiel immediately stab this bastard in the neck? Yes. Oh yeah. <laughs> and then he's he's surprised by it and so she stabs him in the eye as well. Yes. <laughs> and it's just it's just so satisfying. It rolls. Well, and it's yeah. also like it's it's so funny how pitch black dark this movie gets. Like I actually kind of love, even though I don't like um necessarily like uh how the brother betrayal plays out entirely, just the fact that it's willing to go that pitch dark and it's be giddy. like it's just yeah. giddy and like yeah. rolling around in it. They're like the, like the I mean, they're like teenagers, and you're right, there is this kind of wouldn't it be cool? Wouldn't it be yeah. funny aspect to some of their choices? Which is, I, you know what? Uh, that's fun. Like, I, I like I mean, that. Not everything has to be get out. <laughs> like, have yeah. a statement. Not everything has to say something as well as being scary and entertaining. It's like some things don't have to say shit. They could just be fun. Like, I don't know if, I don't know what the hell from beyond was saying, but it was enjoyable. Like, oh, totally. Don't, don't mess with a resonator. I don't know. Yeah, definitely. Hey, you know what? If you see a resonator, folks, and it's I know it's the new hot item, you know, and Lord knows uh, there's like a I mean, a, you're 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 at Laura Dern's house. Yeah, showing you her Oscar. And she's <laughs> like, but folks, you got to see the great greatest thing about this new place I got in Malibu. It's this this resonator. And, I'm, and I'd be like, Laura, turn off the power to this house. Yeah, <laughs> you're going to get a you're going to turn into a pile of goop. Laura. Let's grab your best supporting actress Academy Award from Marriage Story and get the hell out of here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get the hell out of here. Yeah. <laughs> like Mustard Lincoln. Yes. Oh, yeah. You're like, oh, shit. We left Noah Baum back in there. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. He's going to be really weird. <laughs> It's gonna be weird. Gonna have a weird bomb back on her hands. Yeah, the the era of wry New York comedies about couples and artists are over. Uh, all we have left now is Whit Stillman. No, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. That's good. Yeah, uh, rich. But this movie's a blast too. It's yeah. still it's still super fun, regardless yeah. of the like kind of like strange emotional stuntedness of the, of the entire thing it's got a tremendous lead performance it's really really great to see you know barbara crampton get this because you know what immediately followed this is her real career renaissance with a lot of very interesting movies i mean she was in rob zombies lords of salem the very next year yeah. she was in um a really cool movie called we are still here um she was in little sister she was in tales of halloween um puppet master the littlest reich (laughs) that's uh, that's not a real movie that's not right that's real all the way up all the way up to jacob's wife which she produced herself that's awesome um you know and i just got the new issue of fangoria she wrote an article in there you know she's active in it well and it seems like she was like uh much loved by a generation of film dorks and eventual filmmakers and it's cool that like it is kind of like this awesome way of giving uh maybe not giving back is the wrong term but like just the fact that like um there people like the new era of folks they're kind of like uh bucking the old ways of like okay you gotta be a certain age to play a certain role you gotta do this you gotta mm-hmm. do that like it's it, it fucking slaps like i hope yeah and yeah. yeah, just kind of following in Stuart Gordon's footsteps and recognizing of, you know, you're in a position of power and recognizing 
some talented people who might not be, you know, the A-list or whatever, but have a lot to offer. Yeah. And she's so like enthusiastic and like just loves being a part of this world. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, probably, I mean, how neat would that be to have this cool career where you're in these cult movies, then go like raise a neat family and enjoy all those experiences in life and then be able to come back in the mix and be me and be in cool stuff again. That actually just fucking like the fact that you could have like a second go of it is yeah. really yeah because we were talking about earlier like it's a blessing just to have a chopping ball in your life. Yeah, and the fact that like you know she's pursuing even things further. She's she's working on the creative end, the the other side, the creative end, develop oh. ideas. You know, she did. I saw she was just on the Creep Show revival. Too. Oh hell yeah! And I think she was working with uh, terrific, terrific director Joe Lynch, who you know is. Oh yeah, yeah, I know him. You know, you know, he's he's around at the New Beverly when we are. He was at Chopping Mall. Oh <laughs> really? It, that's interesting. Not, not to speak out of school, but yeah, so I'm there. <laughs> oh hell yeah, yeah, that, I love. That's the fun. You see a Joe Lynch, you see a Sean Baker. Yeah, and, yeah. I mean, and you know, and Sean Baker would be another guy who. If the part came up for her, I'm sure he'd go for it because he appreciates this, these kind of people too. Yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah. I can see a hundred percent Sean Baker giving Barbara Crampton, like some sort of like almost Oscar worthy performance or whatever. Yeah. Like, yeah. A film called the chef or something. I don't know. You could certainly, I think you could certainly put her. She just hasn't had the shot, but I oh, think yeah. she's, she's, she's interesting enough. She's, soulful enough she's compelling enough she's likable you know you like hanging with her um she you know all that's there i'd love to see you know hey noah bomback right jeffrey combs and barbara crampton hey holy shit <laughs> yeah. they you can... know a couple who have adult kids who are now getting a divorce and they want to like get their grooves back or something like that, that... Like, let's see something like that that's the thing is they are like talented and idiosyncratic enough for a Noah Baumbach film. You are absolutely right. Like, they would they would knock it out of the park. Like, yeah, Combs is like a tweedy and a tweed-wearing intellectual 100%. He, te- he teaches at Vassar, the English department. Wrote one novel that did pretty well. The follow-up was a flop. Yeah. Um, you can, he can, Noah Baumbach could legit direct a remake of Castle Freak without the freak. Yeah. And it would just be a good. Well, no, like... that's. I mean, that was pretty much a no bombback movie without any of the wry humor. <laughs> yeah, honestly, like, yeah, because it's just like, yeah, you got like the intellectual who was kicked out of college for being politically incorrect. There's a yeah. big trauma. The, like, there's so much. Like, in a weird. There is like a weird, you know, a New yeah. York comedy buried deep within the goo. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, a lot of people don't know that, you know. There was a full um, plot line that was ex- excised from Greenberg, in which Greenberg had to deal with the castle freak. Yeah, there was, so, a, there was a castle freak in his. Uh... Yeah, Greenberg was dealing with the castle freak, and he was like, "Greta, yeah. we got it. Like, I'm rewriting this movie, man. What do you think?" She's like, "I think no. I mean, we've just met each other, and I, you know, you're, we're." But we 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 are going to be collaborators someday, and I got to tell you, the thing I would think that should go is the Castle Freak. <laughs> yeah, I did see uh, there was a deleted scene in the Greenberg Blu-ray where um, a Castle Freak bit off Mark Duplass's nipple. Yeah, they <laughs> they didn't finish the effects 
no. completely because that's just expensive. But yeah. you know, yeah, you, yeah. you got you got the gist of it. I believe, um, if I'm not mistaken, Sean Gunn was doing the uh, mocap. <laughs> yeah. It was Sean Gunn in the mocap. They brought in Gun- James Gunn for a day. We gotta get Jimmy. We gotta, we gotta get Sean. <laughs> yeah, we gotta get Shotty. Shotty, get over here. Gun, we, gotta, we, we got one gun. There's plenty <laughs> of guns. They're good luck charms to babe. Noah, baby. <laughs> Noah, this is your new John Ratzenberg. <laughs> He's gonna be in every one of your movies. <laughs> yeah, Noah Bum, ex-agent is Broadway Danny Rose. <laughs> <laughs> He has his meetings through a wormhole. One question for you, Noah. Why does it gotta be New York? <laughs> Let's make it Italy. Yeah, I got a castle. <laughs> I think uh, while we're young, does need to be set in New York. No, 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 no. We can put it in Italy in a castle. Put driver there. He'll work. He'll work. He'll work. Yeah. He'll love it. He'll love it. Adam Adam Horowitz got to go though. We're gonna have to replace him with Sean Gunn. Yeah, I saw that Henry McHenry. It just didn't work for me. <laughs> yeah, too close to home. Too French. Too fr- Too French. <laughs> but it's just it's really neat. She's a person worth totally celebrating. Yeah, she's a really fun career. I hope that she makes a bunch more cool like shutter original horror movies that are super satisfying oh yeah in their own right you know she, yeah she's she's neat give her you know noah in all honesty noah bombeck should call her why not you yeah. know it'd be, it would be neat she could be uh, yeah. like um i don't know dustin hoffman's third wife or something like that yeah the seven wives of jeremy horowitz or whatever the... that sounds yeah, yeah that's that 100% right. enough. Yeah. yeah oh here's a pitch so seven wives of Jeremy Horowitz, he's dead. They all come to his funeral and it's seven flashback scenes in which we see like moments in his life with all with each of his different wives and how they affected his life. Oh, yeah. And you bet a young Dustin Hoffman is portrayed by Adam Driver. Yep. Yep. Oh, and boy, <laughs> similar heights. Yeah, no question about yeah, that. They're both, yeah, they're both six foot four. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're both just six foot four hunk of beef of men. You yeah. Know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I want to see a movie try to pull off Adam Driver as a young uh, it's, tw- it's a twins situation. This yeah. Is, this is this is this is this is me, Adam yeah. Driver. Oh man, I mean that's like let's uh, that's why I like I respect the Irishman because like it'd be so easy to cast someone as like a young Robert De Niro, but you could Robert De Niro is such an idiosyncratic. That's what this what Scorsese said. He's just like if we're gonna have these guys, we gotta have these guys. Yeah, you can't you know? have like a young Robert De Niro. Like you, you can't. Ryan Gosling is Joe Pesci. <laughs> yeah, Ryan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, Ryan Gosling. <laughs> Chris Hemsworth is the Irishman. He is the Irishman. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think I look like an Irishman at all. <laughs> yeah. But this is this is super fun. Super fun to do a year of this. Super fun to have a spooky episode and watch these fun movies. You know. Yeah. So thank you all for being uh hanging with us for all these next week we return to regularly scheduled programming lost in america broadcast news i can't wait oh same thank you so much have a good 
And don't uh, be careful if you're getting horny, because that might be your pineal gland. It acting. might be boys and ghouls. Stay away from your resonators. Yeah, <laughs> boys and ghouls. Don't go to yeah. Don't go to a a, a a swanky party in Silver Lake hosted by Danny DeVito. Because <laughs> he'll bring out the resonator, don't you know? He's hip and young with the kids since he's been on Sunny in Philadelphia the last eighteen years. <laughs> Yeah, maybe not the best example. He's not quite a J.J. Abrams type, I guess. Uh, you know, Danny's been around long enough. He's got that taxi money. Yeah, you know? that's true. He has an the older res- res- He's got his resonator. He invited <laughs> Nicholson over to play with it. Nicholson did some crazy <laughs> shit. Oh, yeah. No, D- yeah, Nicholson probably has two pineal glands. Yeah. Oh, Nicholson needs them. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, man. Uh, cool. Bye- well, we'll see you all next week. Yep. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you.